I guess it's the ultimate definition of like experimental music because honestly, like I have no idea what I'm doing. It's it's literally experimenting with different formats and different sounds and recordings and and just sort of trying stuff and seeing what happens. Um, you know, I work with a lot of found tapes um, and like tape manipulation, and I'll make tape loops and you know I'll record stuff to a Walkman, like field recording. If I have a Walkman on me, I'll record it. Or if I only have my phone and, you know, there's some fan in a bathroom that sounds really great, like I'll just hold my phone up there. So it's just sort of grabbing whatever is around me and utilizing it and then, you know, kind of putting it together and do some, uh, you know, a bit of manipulation on the computer if I feel like it needs it or if I just want to, you know, try things out again, just experiment with stuff, but there's no real, um, there's not really any boundaries. There's not really any, you know, rules that I have in terms of what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. It's just sort of whatever I come across and whatever I think sounds good at the moment. So it's, it's fun, you know. I can't be on the record saying anything. What's that sound? Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? The proposition sounds intriguing. Proposition sounds very attractive. I tell you, it's a thoroughly sound proposition. Seems a sound proposition. What brought you here? been wanting to do some 10 inch lathe cuts for a while so I have a couple people working on sounds for those as well and I don't know you know when those are going to come out and it's sort of in process but um, probably have about five or six tapes that will come out before those they're not all 100% confirmed uh, you know some of the stuff is waiting on a mastering or whatever and then um, so the first two uh most likely going to come out in January are the first one is uh, it's a duo it's a collaboration of Giovanni Lamy and uh, his friend Glavo and um, that's a really great tape because it's um, you know I'm pretty familiar with Giovanni's work and this is it sounds different and I, I like it I don't know if this is the direction he's going to continue to go in but uh, it's not as noisy and it's it's got a lot of uh, rhythm to it, I guess. Um, and I don't know if that's Glauco's uh, influence. Um, but either way, when they sent it to me, I immediately jumped on it and 
and opted to uh, put it out. And I've been sitting on it for a while, so I'm really, really excited to get it out soon. And then uh, the other one that's just by um, uh, Fabio Perletta, again, a, a really great tape that he sent over. And uh, so I think they complement each other pretty nice. I think it has a sound to it that uh, is similar to some other stuff I put out where there's a lot of negative space there. You know, there's different sounds that kind of come in and, and go away and then and then something new comes in and there's a lot of shifts and changes and, and um, a lot of negative space where you can sort of breathe and just sort of wait for what's coming. And, um, you know, it's something that he he does really well. And as soon as I, I took one, listen to it immediately, it was like, yep, going to put this out. So, um, yeah, that's all, that's all I'll say about it. I won't say too much. <laughs> You know, I saw it was a one of his last things that came out. Um, 
I don't remember if it was a live recording or whatever. I, you know, you get so much music, you kind of forget stuff. But he, he sort of came across um, my radar, and I started checking out his stuff. And so I sent him a message, and funny enough, he responded, and he said, oh, I was actually going to email you because, you know, I heard about your label and wanted to send you something. So, and that was, you know, one of those things that was just sort of kismet. It's like we were going to contact each other, and he had something ready to go, and so that was kind of a no-brainer. Um, so yeah, but no, I did not. I did not get to meet him when he was here. But uh, apparently, he travels around a lot. Hopefully, when he's back next time, I'll I'll be able to see him, meet him, and hang out. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I'd probably say like 40% of the output on Denzu is Italian artists, but it, it could be less, but it definitely feels like a lot. Um, and I don't I don't really know why that is, other than there's a lot of Italians making a lot of great stuff that I like, so, yeah. I feel like they all have like this, um, you know, the era of Dada like in their blood, like it's it's still there, it's like, it's like, it's coursing through their veins and like traveling over the, you know, the generations and stuff. And these guys just sort of have that, I don't know, they, they have that in them. You know what I mean? a much bigger role in in the overall releases at least for me um because what i've i've started to do is i will have um you know i've done some of the artwork myself but a lot of times now i've been reaching out to other artists that i like whether whether it's someone like billy gomberg whose music i put out but who also is an amazing photographer or 
the same with like Matias Urban. You know, I put out his sounds, but he also takes photos and does art and stuff. Um, so it's kind of it's become like a a secondary part of the label, but it's it's equally as important to me. So you know, I like to have. Uh, it's sort of like having someone contribute to someone else's work. So as opposed to just me sitting down and figuring out some artwork or doing something. And that wasn't the, that, that wasn't how I planned on doing it in the beginning. I just, I sort of had a general rule of, of what I wanted the art to look like, but I didn't have this idea that I would have a bunch of other people sort of contribute in the way that it's happening now. Um, so it's, it's cool to have like, you know, an artist who's on the label do some art for someone else's tape and vice versa. Or, you know, I'll sometimes just scroll through, you know, Instagram or discover artists, you know, on the internet or whatever, and I'll just reach out to them. And a lot of times people are, are, are pretty stoked to, you know, to give up some of their art to be on a cassette tape. And then, you know, of course I mail them a copy. And I think it's just, a, it's like a cool thing for someone to see their art on a tape. Um, or like any album packaging, but I think because there's such a quaintness about tapes for uh, a lot of people that are not in the sort of tape scene that, um, I don't know, it's just sort of, it's different than, than someone doing like a CD or a record or whatever, you know? And it all, and they don't take up a lot of space. So if you send someone to tape and they can't play it, at least they can put it on the shelf and look at it or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I started it mainly because, um, you know, I always like to go to record stores and talk to the people that work at record stores and find out about new music and stuff. And, you know, a lot of stuff gets passed on word of mouth that way. And I would always tell my friends and different people, like, you know, if there was an album I heard about or I liked, you know, I'd tell people about it. Um, and I just thought, man, it would be really great if I was able to, like, actually put like I could reach a, a, a broader audience by having a label and putting out people's music as opposed to just going you know hey friend like check out this new record like how many people can you realistically tell you know unless you it's like you're really going out of your way to tell a lot of people whereas you know if you have a label you can find stuff that that you like that suits your taste and you know potentially get it out there to a lot more people so yeah that's just what I decided to do when I started Spring Break Tapes and um, you know the cassette format um, 
is definitely uh, much more affordable than other things. And uh, so I, I went that route, being that I grew up listening to tapes, and so I always had a, an affinity for them to begin with, you know. did um i worked on the album artwork for the record that came out that year the broken social scene album um me and justin collaborated on uh the cover and the whole packaging and everything and um, he was actually living in los angeles at the time and oddly enough we lived in the exact same apartment building because we had a, a mutual friend and um yeah so he would you know he'd come over and he'd hang out in my apartment and we'd work on the album cover and stuff and you know he started playing me some beats that he had made and different music that he was working on that was completely different from broken social scene it was like his own thing and um yeah i just kind of dug what he was doing and was like well this is a great opportunity to you know i wanted to start a label anyway but you know i guess when you're starting it's like what, what are you going to put out like a lot of people put out their own music and you know at the time i wasn't making any I wasn't making anything of my own, so I was sort of like having to get out there and, and look for what to put out. So it just sort of was kismet that, you know, Justin had some stuff he had been working on he wanted to put out. I needed something to put out, and I liked what he was doing. So it just worked out great, and then we um, just got going, and it started, and it's, I don't know, it's been a long time doing it now. I don't even remember what year I started, honestly. <laughs> Well, I think when when I decided to start it, um, I kind of just wanted something new, just to have a new project, something new to do, something new to work on. Um, it's kind of one of the things when you when you're doing any project, whether it's a label or whatever it is, you know, sometimes you get tired of looking at the same logo or you know thinking about things in the same way. It's, I guess it's the way a company would sort of rebrand themselves, and and rather than trying to rebrand spring break tapes into something that I wanted to do. I just decided, you know, why not just start a whole new label? Um, so, yeah. And then I, you know, I worked for a while, you know, 
on the name and the logo and sort of what what the aesthetic was going to be and what the sound was going to be and you know one of the other reasons was I, I found myself listening to a lot of different artists that didn't necessarily fit the aesthetic of Spring Break even though even though that that label has a very wide range of sounds um, you know I'd listen to someone like Giovanni Lamy and go yeah, this doesn't really fit spring break. Like it almost felt like I had a I had a solid audience of people that were following the label and I wasn't sure like how they would respond to some of these other artists that I was listening to that were a bit noisier, a bit more experimental, a bit more avant-garde, whatever. Um, you know, someone buying, you know, a beat tape is not necessarily um, gonna like that stuff. And someone who's into like, you know, the dronier stuff, like the fun years and, and bus gas is necessarily going to like that stuff. I mean, I like both of them, but not everybody's going to. So it was just another opportunity for me to, to start something new and have a real focus because spring break, it was sort of, it was wide open in terms of what sort of sound I was willing to put out. Like the only, I guess the only, um, uh, requirement was that I, I liked it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I keep I keep saying that I'm done with it, um, but then you know things kind of pop up, and you know the last um, the last thing we put out the the double tape with Buscast and Amulet that was a that was a project that um, you know once the idea came up to do that I was like Ugh, I kind of have to do this like it's too good not to do it, and we had a you know uh, Eric from Buscast was really great with compiling all the artwork and putting together the packaging and. Um, it just was something that was like, it was too cool for me to not put it out. Like I really wanted to do it. So that could be the last thing I ever put out on spring break. There might be something else, but I don't have anything lined up. I don't have anything planned. Um, so I guess whenever people that you ask, I just say, well, I'm on the, you know, indefinite hiatus. So it, it may, it may come back. It may not, you know, but well, if this is the last one, at least we're going out with a with a bang, with a double tape and stuff. So yeah.
Yeah, you know, I think um, I think from just sort of you know starting spring break and and just seeing what else was out there that was on tape. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's out there, but the only way to get it is to buy a physical tape. And um, you know, in the beginning, I was like trading with other labels a lot, discovering other labels and other artists and different people's stuff. And then, you know, of course on Bandcamp, you know, you can just get on there and you can just search for anything that's been released on cassette tape. Uh, you know, aside from that, going to like record stores in different places and, and seeing what tapes they have. Um, you know, it just sort of felt like, it felt like being a kid again, like when you would go to the record store and just buy stuff based on the cover or based off one single that you know you heard on the radio or in tv or something and and you know you'd buy the album and you'd find out that it was great or that it wasn't and so you know tapes tend to be pretty cheap and so if you see something that kind of looks cool or if it's a label you've heard of you can just grab it check it out and i guess i started discovering more stuff that was i guess more in that world of of uh you know, experimental, noisier stuff that I was liking. And all that stuff to me sounds really, really great on tape. Like, I think it's probably the best format for it. Um, I just like the way it sounds. And so, yeah, just from doing all that stuff and, and just diving into other labels and checking out other other people's work, I just started gravitating toward those sounds. And, you know, that stuff actually inspired me to start sort of making stuff of my own um and so yeah that's just you know that's kind of how that's kind of how that happened i guess yeah Um, I've done a couple collaborations with other people. There was a tape that came out on Archive Official that was uh, under the name Gibraltar, and that was uh, a project that me and uh, Matthias Urban did together. And then um, uh, me and Lorenzo Palufo, who records as Hep Collective, we did a tape together, and that was under Monty and Hep. We just, I guess we wanted it to, have it feel a little more personal and he's a he's a pretty fun guy and so we didn't want it to sound too serious like monty burroughs and hep collective so we just monty and hep felt kind of kind of fun i guess um but yeah aside from that i don't there's not a not any other projects that i'm doing but there there might be (laughs) Thank you. 
alive or is it no no i don't i i really i don't even know like what i would do like i guess if i got some you know tape loops together and the different stuff i could maybe figure it out but the amount of time i spend you know working on the label and putting out other people's music and and just all the other things that come with life i haven't really found the time to do that but it, it's on my list to, to do it one day yeah so it's mostly a kind of a studio project where it's about putting something together and then it's done and it goes out to the world. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not about the performance. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, if I, if I was someone that was using, like, a modular synthesizer, like, uh, you know, I could probably go perform with that and do it. But, you know, I don't have, I don't have gear. I don't have stuff like that that I use. I mean, my gear would be, like, my Walkmans and my tape players and stuff like that. So I, I don't really have a way to <clears throat> to get out and do that. I mean, I guess you could. You have people that definitely go perform with just like a you know a reel to reel. But uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't quite figured that one out yet. edition box set thing he did came with like a tape and a t-shirt and a and a piece of uh, a sawtooth blade that um, Aaron the guy who runs the label you know took the sawtooth blade and, and cut it up into pieces so uh, yeah but I think he only made like 10 or 15 or something so
about just you know in general the experience of running a label in you know the last uh, the last decade hasn't been the easiest time. Um, you know, you said uh, you know take care of relatively inexpensive and easy to get into. And how about doing these lab tests that are you know um, again pretty pretty limited condition, right? Uh, but how uh, how's your experience? Um, you know, I have to say it's, it's, it's been pretty good. The, um, I think the only tough part for me has been figuring out, you know, what, what my addition size is going to be because, you know, you don't want to do 200 tapes because there's not that many people that are actually going to get them. So I've been sort of hovering around 75 to a hundred and I, I think I found my sweet spot in there and, um, I feel like I'm, I'm really lucky, um, that I have a pretty good, you know, core sort of audience or fan base or whatever you want to call it that that uh, has to been been supporting the label for the past year or two. Um, you know, a lot of people will, uh, you know, if I put out a batch of like two or three tapes, you know, 98% of the orders are for all three of them as opposed to just ordering one tape. <clears throat> um, so I feel like I feel like I've achieved what I wanted to do when I started the label based on other labels I was influenced by, which was as opposed to just putting out, you know, stuff by certain artists and you have people come and sort of pick and choose what they like. I really wanted to create something that was more of, that was more for like collectors. So people go, yeah, like I have all the, like, you know, you have all the tapes on Sanufo or you have, you know, I have all the tapes on um, you know that's sort of that's sort of the record or tape collector that I am. If I find a label, um, I like to have everything they put out. You know, and maybe there's stuff on there that I don't like as much as others, but it's sort of being a collector and just being able to to have the whole discography of something. And so I feel like that's what I was going for. Um, I wanted to create something that people liked enough that they wanted everything and um i think that i think that i've done that because uh just based on when i see the orders come in it's always the same people's names and it's always for you know the whole batch um so i feel pretty good about that and I, you know i don't know if it's like that for every label or not but uh i feel pretty lucky that that it's like that for me yeah
despite the fact that we call it artifacts, you know, it, it stresses this sort of, um, you know, uh, the idea of collecting something to collect, the phys you know, physical objects instead of just streaming. Uh, but um, where did Dinsu come from? It's just a made-up word. Um, I was looking. I was looking for. I don't know something that had like a sound that I liked, um, and I just you know was jotting down a lot of different, just a lot of different words and a lot of things that sort of um, I don't know felt like they fit the mood that I was going for, and um, yeah, it was just one of those. It was just one of those things that just sort of came out, you know, which it's fun, like creating a new word. Is, uh, I can't say that I've ever done that before, but it's sort of like when you meet someone and they have like a really interesting name that you've never heard before that's, you know, it's not like me and you, it's not like Joe. And you go, ah, oh, it's a great, that's a great name. And you're like, that's not even a name that existed before. Like your parents just made that up. Like, I always appreciated that, you know, it's, to me, it's so much more interesting. Like, you know, all the names you hear in like a Star Wars movie or something. Um, and so I kind of feel like Dinzu is like that. It's like, okay, this is this is this thing that I did and made. I wanted to give it its own name that, that didn't exist uh, before. I guess the artifact part, you know, I wanted something that, um, you know, I just wanted, I wanted something at the end of it, you know, the way it's like Sinufo editions, um, you know, it's like spring break tapes, like, and a lot of people use tapes and there's a lot of different words out there. And again, like I was just, you know, noting down different possible words that it could be and artifacts was the one that felt right. And I went with the, uh, the British spelling, which people either think I, I misspelled it or uh, they think I'm being snobby, uh, which is okay. Um, but the funny thing is, um, you know, I also felt like artifacts fit because, you know, I have this idea that one day, you know, they'll be discovered, like these tapes will be discovered somewhere and they will be artifacts. And funny enough, somebody on Twitter said like last week, I'll see if I can find the tweet here. Um, this guy, Bruce Levenstein said, one day, decades from now, someone is going to find a download of the entire Denzu artifacts catalog and marvel at the quote, DIY music concrete scene of the late 2010s. And I was like, Man, he just summed it up. That's what I want. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if, like, 50 years from now, somebody was like, what's in this box? And it was, like, all these tapes. And it's, like, the entire Denzu discography. And they just discovered, like, this whole new world of stuff they had never heard before. Like, to me, like, that, that would be pretty amazing. So that's, 
artifacts fit with that sort of that long-term goal of someone discovering it, having it being this thing that sort of exists through time, you know? anyone's gonna just it's not like anyone's gonna discover like a you know a bit torrent one day <laughs> probably not uh, and so artifacts also gives you um the chance to do something that's not a tape right like was that part of what you're thinking is that you would do like these lathe cuts or whatever and it wouldn't always be tapes necessarily yeah i i didn't i didn't necessarily want to stick to to just tapes even though that's sort of the main focus um you know there's there's one of my favorite labels is um, um, Archive Officiel in Canada. And um, yeah, I just really like that sort of whole vibe, like the aesthetic, the design, and the fact that he's, you know, not sticking to one uh, medium is really great. And, um, you know, that's, I, I have a few, you know, 10 inch records and, and lathe cuts and stuff. and. You know, um, one of the ones, there was a lace cut that came out in Archive Fisiel, and when I saw it, I was like, oh man, I really need to do something like this for Dindu. But it's it's also, you know, you have to find like the right, the right sound to go for it. Um, you know, I don't think that I'm going to be doing vinyl on Dindu because mainly it's just too expensive. Um, but, you know, I think it'd be cool to do tapes and lace cuts and, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe do something interesting one day, like, uh, you know, a flash drive. Like I know Jeremy Bible um, on his label, Experimedia, he put out, you know, limited 50 flash drives that were in like these really cool, like electrical boxes that you had to unscrew. And so I guess like, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't get one, but I wish I would have. Uh, they sold out pretty fast, but yeah, so I guess in terms of artifacts, it's like, yeah, like, however however you want to put it out there, it's cool. Um, you know, it's probably going to be the majority cassette tapes, but um, I'm sort of open. I'm, I'm excited about the prospect that there's maybe one day going to be, you know, a new physical format. I have no idea what that would be or why anybody would want to do it, but it just, it, it'd be cool if there was something else one day that people got into and we're sort of in this digital world and and that's sort of all people are doing like mainstream wise and um yeah it'd be cool if there was something else that came along and i'm sort of always thinking about that and looking looking for what that could possibly be you know
Yeah, exactly. I actually have a whole bin of mini discs in my closet, and uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll just put out like you know, twenty of twenty of those on Dinzu, and that would be that's the only way you can listen to it is get a mini disc player. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I've seen some of their like I don't I don't own anything because it's, it's it sells out pretty quick. But they have some pretty pretty amazing packaging. Like you know, a tape that was like sawed in half and put together backwards and stuff. And yeah, I have one of those tapes where it's full of sand. Yeah, exactly. I like I I really appreciate all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Alex Gray's Deep Magic, a mini cassette of his that was uh, inside a. Uh, Therapy candle. Yeah, and you had to burn it to get it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, I, I I wanted to keep it because it was like one of those things like fuck, you know, who knows what people will pay for this on Discogs or whatever. <laughs> I ended up uh, burning it on my 30th birthday. Nice. It was like a yeah, and then you know it's like you you were saying earlier in in a way, but. Uh, when you had physical things that you looked forward to or you really had to search for, it's, it's harder to discard them, right? Like, if you buy something and it's challenging and it's a stream, you can just, like, not listen to it again. But if you have the physical thing, you kind of force yourself to be like, I need to understand this. I need to figure out what what it's trying to do. You kind of give it more of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. You, you'll spend a little more time with it. And even if it's something ultimately that you don't like, um, you know, you went through the trouble to find it and to get it and to listen to it and, and, and give it a little bit more time than you would, you know, just streaming some MP3. So, yeah, for sure. I, de I definitely feel that way. sort of struggled with this like how do you feel when people put something out but it it comes with a download code because personally I when I buy something I like to be able I like to have the digital version of it so I can you know put it on my phone like I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna travel or drive in the car with you know a lace cut or a record or a floppy disk you know I like to be able to hear that stuff or, or do you think it should be only for when you're you know, you've sat down, you've dedicated the time to like absorbing something and listening to something in the format it was meant to. Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why that I've always, you know, put out tapes with download codes 
you know, let's say someone does, like, you only did 60 tapes. Well, like, when that's sold out, it's sort of limiting, like, all right, the only people who can hear it, they have the tape. And if you can get a download code of it and and you really like it and it's something that you want to own on physical form, so this is something that I do, like, I'll listen to something, the digital version, I go, oh, man, this is great. This is worth the 40 bucks to find it on, you know, the limited and you know you get on discogs or look for it um and that's sort of the fun of being like uh, you know a music collector is finding those things that are, are really impactful to you and then you know that's what you have on physical format like i'm always purging my collection of stuff like okay i don't need this on vinyl this is something that i just got in the bargain bin i don't care about it like i want to be able to go through all my records and tapes and whatever physical formats and and no came from and know where I bought them and you know have like a large affinity for them as opposed to as opposed to just having like a massive collection you know what I mean You know, I, I do have a CD player in my car, and I can't say that I've ever used it. And I have CDs that I've bought from people or people have sent me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I actually got, like, a little uh, a disc man or whatever, and I sort of, you know, plugged it into my receiver so I could play a CD. Or, um, But, yeah, I, I think the days of me traveling with physical formats is over. Like, I don't want to get on a... I don't want to get on a plane or get in the car with tapes or CDs or mini discs or anything. Um, I think just having, you know, an iPod or an iPhone and you can just load stuff on there is, you know, it's just way too convenient to be able to do that and, you know, not have to worry about did I accidentally leave in the car in, you know, the LA summer heat, you know, are they going to get messed up? You know, I don't, I don't have to think about those things. And so, that sort of traveling out and about, I have my digital, my digital media, and then when I'm at home and you know I can sit down and like put a tape in my tape player and like listen to it the way it was meant to be heard. That's really nice, and that's a, that's like a time for me where I guess that's why I like both. Like I can sit down and I can put on a tape and listen to it, but if I'm out driving around and in, in traffic, well, I can still listen to the same tape just you know, run it off my phone through my car speakers or whatever. But, um, yeah, in terms of CDs, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I've had like tape cases full of tapes, just, 
you know, not get destroyed, but they don't play as well because they're sitting in a car and eat and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I guess to answer your questions in terms of like CD labels, I'm not opposed to them. I don't think I would necessarily buy, I wouldn't necessarily CD. Um, I'd be quicker to buy, uh, you know, a tape or, or, or a record before I bought a CD, but I'm also not, a, not opposed to them. Um, depends what it is if it was something that I really wanted and it was only available on CD um, you know I'd, I guess I would get it but um, I can't say that that um, I don't I, I think that might be the last format that I would consider putting out on Dindu I don't necessarily want to put out a CD although I've seen some really great CD packaging that I think if you do the packaging right and it becomes more of like a, a physical object and a piece of art then that's different. Um, but, you know, just a CD in a, in a plastic jewel case isn't that exciting to me. <laughs> I mean, I have some limited edition CDs that are, like, in really nice cases. It's, like, they're shaped like a book, you know, and it's got, a, you know, great photos and liner notes and stuff. That's something I'm more than happy to pay for. Um, uh, but just a regular CD, not too much. Maybe, like, you know, those three-inch CDs are kind of fun. You're sort of forced to get, like, a Discman or something to, to pop them in that you can play. Like, those are kind of fun, and I like that they're small, too, you know? 